0: Welcome back to Keeping Up With Kara and Koa. So if you're new to the podcast, this is a podcast where we talk about life, mental health, and all things grief-related. So tonight's episode I have is my friend Julia. Um, She's one of my old high school friends. Hi, Julia. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Kara and Koa. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is a very special podcast. Episode and it's going to be
0: a fun conversation, so I'm looking forward to it. Yes, um, I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. So um, just also a reminder, anyone out there, if you have a story you want to share, um, feel free to DM me. Also, subscribe for any uh, for any other episodes you want to listen to, and um, also feel free to share with your family and friends. So um, Julia and I, we kind of chatted a little bit on the side about. Grief and loss and all these other, um, events that have happened in our lives. And I'm really, I'm really glad you reached out to me. Um, it does mean a lot that you reached out, um, and wanted to come on my podcast. So, so tell us, um, I know we kind of, we kind of chatted out also about your adoption story. I, I knew a little bit about it in high school, but not as much and as your friend, and also with, you know, reconnecting with you, I, I really wanted to, you know, actually hear it because I don't think you and I have really talked about it. So, yeah, just.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, first and foremost, I want to just um, really commend you on starting this podcast. I think it's a very great outlet, not just for you, but for other people um, who go through this grief process of whether they lost a loved one or a close friend or whoever they may be, or, you know, separation with their parents, whatever that is. Um, I think this is a really, really safe space that you have created for a lot of people. And obviously, like, I felt comfortable enough to reach out to you and um, to kind of share my story. So um, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people do have to have different outlets, whether it's you know I mean I know we'll touch based on that whether it's therapy or creative thinking or whatever that may be so this is definitely one of the positive outlets um, to do with grief and to kind of you know talk about it in more depth and um, yeah so I'm just really proud of you as a friend and as a fellow human being (laughs) and I think this is so cool and um, thanks for having me on here tonight of
0: course
1: Uh, well I guess like I don't even know where to start. (laughs) Um, um, I know like, obviously like we went to high school together and um, we were friends for a really long time through our high school year and we were in the same group of girls of friends and things like that. But I think because I was so young and I was still going through the motions of embodying the American culture and, um, you know, kind of the awkward stage of fitting in and, you know, being in high school. And, um, I didn't really talk about my adoption much just because it wasn't like a conversation that just, you know, came up in our conversations. You know, we talked about boys and friends <laughs> yeah. and going out and all of this stuff. Never, the
0: usual. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. But we really never like sat down and actually had like conversations about home life yeah. and grief and sadness and not fitting fitting in and things like that so um i think that's probably why you haven't heard this story in particular and actually not a lot of people have Mm -hmm. i'm sure some people hear this tonight and be like what like what's going on like how did i not know this Mm -hmm. and it's the same goes for your episode your first episode there's some things that i never even imagined that you were going through. Right. And it was, you know, partially because we were so involved in, you know, our, our own lives and we weren't not really at a stage in life where we knew how to care for others. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, I would say in terms of grief, I would say my life, um, my whole life, I feel like has been just a big bubble of grief, you know, grief and loss. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I was orphaned um, at a really young age um just because um um <clears throat> for anyone that doesn't know my story, um I was adopted at the age of 11 from Russia. Um and when I was Before 11, obviously, um, I was in Russia for that time. And um, it was a communist country, obviously. And um, what I had experienced and seen are things that no child ever should have been exposed to. Um, You know, being emotionally scarred, I've always been pretty open about my life. Not because it's a story, but because um, I want others to realize... How good they have it mm-hmm. right now, or how good they have it in America. Um, the events of my early childhood are so traumatic, uh, but sharing these more memories and experiences with others is very therapeutic for me. So that that's the reason why I want to come and share. Um, so, uh, like a, or, again, like at an early stage of my life, I've experienced grief in terms of um, losing. The first time I've ever experienced grief, I guess I should say was when I lost my grandma, who is my, my mom's uh, mother. And um, I was six years old. at the time we were in Ukraine mm-hmm. um, and uh, at that time like there wasn't you know telephones or phone calls. there's only telegram- telegrams. Basically, a oh, telegram wow. was just long way of mail. So, <clears throat> send out a telegram; it might be there in a month, it might be there in two months. We wow. don't know. Mm-hmm. Traveled uh, obviously by trains back then. Um, so, yeah, I I remember I remember being in Ukraine and getting this telegram or telegram, and um, my mom at the time just basically told me pack up, let's pack up all of our stuff and we're leaving. Mm -hmm. And I was six years old. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't understand why we're leaving. Um, and, you know, and all of a sudden we were on this train and we're coming back to Russia And when we got back to Russia, my great grandma, um, had passed away and my grandma was an alcoholic. So she basically drank her whole entire life savings away. And, um, she basically let my great grandma die in the apartment and the neighbors found her body. Oh, wow. And um, the reason why they found her body was because it was becoming soiled because no no one knew that she passed passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so anyway, so fast forward, like she clearly like was so involved in her alcohol that she just couldn't handle taking care of her. She spent all of her money on alcohol and drugs. So basically when we came back, we had nothing, no money, no house, um, no family. And my mom clearly like didn't have a job there. So, (laughs) um, you know, she did what she could to kind of support me at that time. And things just kind of escalated. And she just couldn't fathom the fact that her mom did that to her grandma, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, from that point forward, like, we we just... We didn't have shelter, so we were homeless for a period of time. I didn't go to school. Um, And mind you, I mean, I'm still like six, seven years old at this stage. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the most valuable time of your life as a child, where you start comprehending things, where you start to learn things Mm -hmm. and really understand and remember aspects of your life that perhaps you shouldn't right. Um, and there's bits and pieces clear like I can clearly see, and there's pieces that I have blocked out for sure. Um, but from that period of time, it was like, you know, I had to fend for myself
2: mm-hmm.
1: at that stage and yeah. while dealing with real, like dealing with the fact that, My grandma was an alcoholic, we were homeless, and my great-grandma was gone. That's a lot. And to top top all of this off, I never met my dad, my birth dad, so, like, he was nowhere to be found. So it's like, and I was an only sibling, so Mm -hmm. it's not like I had siblings to, like, rely on at Mm -hmm. the time. And... I remember, um, you know, I remember, (laughs) I remember because we were homeless. My mom, my mom would have to figure out ways to have money or figure out how to, you know, come up with money. And, um, we would, we would collect bottles and we would sell the bottles. And we would literally go and buy bread because bread was the cheapest thing that you could buy. Um, You'd buy bread and that's what you lived on, bread and water. And um, I remember in the middle of the night, we would go and steal copper because copper was such a, well, it still is actually. Copper is worth a lot of money. And we would steal wires and, just drain them for copper and then we would sell them for weight so we could have money. Um, My mom, there's multiple times where she would take me to the park and just leave me playing with other kids and go upstairs to an apartment do what she needed to do and come down. Um, I've witnessed her having sex right next to me in the bed with another man. Um and as a little girl not understanding what's going on and why your mom is doing all these things, right? And at, it's like it, at that time, yeah, it's kind of like, well, my mom's providing for me or she's giving me things or right. she she's she's giving you money or she's she's buying me food or she's buying me a toy or whatever that's all you see Mm -hmm. and then one day you wake up and you're like damn wow yeah like that was like that shouldn't have happened Yeah, and I mean, it's like, I can't explain to you, like, the realization that, that you go through later in life, like, when you really sit down and think about all the things that you go through and all the things that have impacted you at such an early age, mm-hmm. and then why that happened.
0: Yes. You know, Like trying to process we, it. Yeah, I
1: think we battle with the why a lot. In yes. Life, right? Yes. Like, why me? Or...
0: Why did this happen? Why did this
1: happen? Right. Or...
0: 100%. Just a
1: lot of whys. Yes.
0: I can definitely you know? empathize with that, for sure.
1: And <clears throat> we just... We can't, like... I mean, not... Like, even now, like, now now that I'm 30 years old and grown I mean there's aspects of my life that still happen and I'm like why
2: mm-hmm.
1: like haven't I haven't I dealt with enough in my whole entire life like why why are we still dealing with it like why am I still having to have things in my life come up where like I shouldn't mm-hmm <laughs> You know, and so, yeah, I mean, from that point and and then, you know, going into a space that was completely foreign to me and into an orphanage, um, which if a lot of you listeners out there don't know what an orphanage is, it's basically a, um, it's a foster home in a way um but it's a lot more kids and it is a one um one sanctuary where um you basically eat sleep and go to school so from grade i think they put you in let's see let me think about it So, like you have so they have one separate for babies and then like when you get into like the age that I went into, which I w- when I went to the orphanage, I was eight years old. Yeah, I was eight years old, um, and that's like eight to or the younger. I think it's like six and to high school, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's your whole life. Like, that's where you will be for your young adult teenage life for the rest of your life.
0: Interesting. Did they have any? Um, did they provide any? any sort of I guess oh, what's the word I'm trying like a psychologist there probably not no yeah mm-hmm. so for you there's
1: you're no, there's no such thing as mental health mm. there's no such thing as a therapy mm-hmm. let's sit down and talk about right. what traumatic shit you went through oh, right like, exactly no there's mm-hmm. no like interesting. It, okay. And you have to remember it's a communist like hierarchy mm-hmm Higher power, country, and that's how everyone lives there. Like that's if you are older than me, I like you demand respect. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And we give respect, and if that doesn't happen, guess what?
0: Then you get scolded. So, so in a in a lot of sense, it's almost like your feelings were pretty much rejected your entire life. In a
1: way, yeah. I mean, I would you You suppressed a lot of it. Yeah. I, and I think I do still to this day, to be honest with you, because, you know, <clears throat> yeah, like I, I, I talked to my mom once, once in a while about it, but it, it's not like a conversation that you have with everyone every day. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, you suppress these feelings and you just kind of don't want to think about right. them, you know, because and then it it's be- not, it's not something that anyone should think about.
0: Right. Um, and then you become used to just suppressing everything, that it becomes like a, yeah. a lifestyle, basically.
1: Yeah, it does. It definitely does, yeah. It becomes part of you, and you learn and you learn just to deal with it, and you learn to not forget it, mm-hmm. but live with it, mm-hmm. because that's who you are. It doesn't define you or define me, for, per se, but that's who I am, mm-hmm. you know? and um when i got taken away from my mom at the age of 8 you know i went to i went to this orphanage where they had 2000 kids and you know we're all separated by grade or by age and you're living with you're living in a two bedroom apartment basically with 30 kids oh wow which 15 of them are girls and 15 of them are boys it's very equal mm and two bathrooms, boys' bathroom and a girls' bathroom. Um, you know, there's a common area. You all go to sleep at one hour. You all wake up in another hour. You all go to eat together. You all go to school together. You all get off school together. It's just like you see the same kids that become your family. Like you, you know, you... It's kind of like you're just given bunch of brothers and sisters
0: yeah right you
1: know and my time in the orphanage honestly it was not bad I can't I I will never say any to anyone that I had a bad experience at the orphanage I mean yeah I've had a a couple run-ins just because I you know I was acting out I had (laughs) I remember the first week that I got the first week that I was brought into the orphanage I was so, okay. So, there's like a process that you go into the orphanage. Like, for like if the, if they, whoever sends you to an orphanage, whoever makes the complaint for the child to have like the law involved, uh-huh. the CPA per se. There's a process, so like obviously we have a process here. Like, there's a process there, so they take you to the hospital first. Mm-hmm. So you go to the hospital, they check they check you, like they do all the blood work, they check you for bronchitis, they give you all the proper shots. Um, they cut your hair because oh, wow. I had I had really long hair and they shaved my hair. Literally shaved my hair. I had a I had a bald head at one point. Eight years old, I had a I had a boy cut. My hair was all gone because I had lice. And there was no way to get out of, get lice out. Yeah. So here I am, eight years old. They cut my hair. I was in the hospital for two weeks because there was a process to make sure I was allowed to go and clean and all that. And I get there, I'm put into this apartment with 30 different or 29 different kids i get a little cubby hole in this apartment where that's just my space and that's it you share clothes you share shoes you share personal care stuff except you for your toothbrush um and then your bed that's it that's all you have to your name. Wow. So I get there, and this girl—I don't even know if it was a T-shirt, if it was pants, or I don't know what—but this girl decides to take a pair of pants or a pair of clothing, whatever it was, away from me. Uh huh. And that was the only thing that I like that was mine like that was that was my my thing
2: right mm-hmm.
1: so she takes it away from me so i to say this so i literally grabbed her hair mm-hmm. and i yanked her back and i pulled a chunk of her scalp out oh. i'm eight years old wow I got spanked like I've never been spanked before. And I was grounded for two weeks. (laughs) And when they ground you at the orphanage, you literally don't do anything the whole entire day. You stay. You stay standing in a straight line the whole day. That's your punishment. You wake up. You do what you need to do. You go to school. You come back. You stand. You go do your homework, you're done, you come back, you stand. You go to dinner, you come back, you stand until you have to wash up to go to bed. Wow. Two weeks. No playtime. nothing, no TV. Mm-hmm. And mind you, there's other kids around you that are watching TV right in front of you. So you know how hard it is to stand in the straight line and not look at the TV that's like literally right, right there to the right of you or to the left of you? Yeah. Two whole weeks. Awful. And these poor kids, I mean, there's worse things that I've seen. I've seen uh, kids where they had to hold their hands in front of, hold their arms right in front of them. And if they bring their hands down, they would put a heavy pillow on top. And then if you drop, they put another pillow.
2: Oh my God.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. But I will say like what it, did teach me was to not do anything stupid again because I didn't want to go through that you know and it's like here now that I'm a parent if you're at a grocery store and your child is throwing a fit in a in a grocery aisle and you pick them up and you say no you can't do that in front of somebody that's like everyone's gonna just lose their shit right like, how, how dare you talk to, talk to your child like that? You know, and yeah, we're not, you know, our country's obviously is much more lenient. We have a lot more freedom. Right. But my point is, is like, we're so focused on our little bubble here that we don't realize what goes on in other countries yes. or how other countries parent their children mm-hmm. or how, you know, how inhumane things are in other countries. I mean, we're experiencing it now, right? hmm um, and it's just like parenting is very interesting now that I have my own child. It's very, it's very, um, it's very different than how I was brought up, mm-hmm. at least until I was 11, you know? And being in the orphanage, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's not all bad. I mean, we, you know, obviously when you're, when you're doing well and you're listening and you're not in trouble and they take care of you because they like, they, you know, they like you, they don't, they don't have a reason to not like you there. Mm -hmm. And during the day we had a caretaker, um, we had two actually through my time and, um, they were great. They were both great. Um, when I was 16, I actually went back to Russia uh, with my dad and, um, and I saw them again, and it was like so nice, so awesome. And I mean, those those are the you know those are the things that you kind of like want to remember. You know, the relationships that you built with with people, and I still keep in touch with some of the girls that was in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank goodness for our social media. Yeah, um, you know the fact that I get to see. How they are grown up and how they're married and they have their own kids and how they've turned out on their own is, it's fun because it gives me it gives me comfort knowing that if I wasn't adopted perhaps I wouldn't be a statistic. Mm. You know, um, because back then like I'm sure now things have changed and I've actually read a couple articles where um you know they give grants for orphans who you know graduate and they kind of like like the government helps you kind of get your life in order because all you know is the orphanage you Mm -hmm. don't know how to experience real life outside of those walls right because it's kind of like in a way it's kind of like a cult now that that Mm. I think about it like you eat live breathe orphanage and it's surrounded by walls and you're you don't go alone anywhere. Like you go with either your friends from the institution or you go with your caretaker. Like you don't leave by yourself. Um
0: and did you ever leave though the orphanage yeah, to do I mean, anything? we had outings. Okay. Yeah,
1: we had outings. Um we would go swim in the lake a lot. That was a very common thing to do um during summers, especially on weekends. Um we would go to the supermarket um, on weekends as well. Um, we did a lot of plays.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I danced a lot. That's kind of where I picked up my ballroom. I danced ballroom. Actually, I won nationals in Russia for ballroom.
0: Oh yeah! Didn't didn't you do dance in high school?
1: I did. Yes. Yeah. I and that's kind of like yeah. That's where I fell in love. With dance for sure so I'm very thankful for that because that was a huge outlet in high school for me yeah um dance gave me a lot of creativity and it was just a huge community um and I'm, I was very appreciative of that but yeah um so there was that there was sports we played soccer there was a lot of soccer teams um we had outside time I mean it wasn't long I mean we Go for like an hour and a half every day. Um, everything is timed. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like I said, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And uh, my mom still had rights. So she had what? She had um, rights. Oh, okay. Yeah, so not everyone in the orphanage um, not have parents. Hmm. Your parents can have. Can give the option, your parents are given an option. Like you either give your child willingly to the orphanage to be taken care of, or we'll take your rights away and we'll force you. Oh wow. Um, so in my case, my parent or my mom, my birth mom, decided that obviously that was the best thing for me. So she um yeah, she had to And I, I remember that day. I remember very, very vividly. I was, um, I was at school and because she sent me to school because she knew that in school I would get fed. So she sent me to school so I can get cleaned up and so I can eat. And then that way when I When she came back to pick me up, I would be full and she wouldn't have to worry about feeding me. Mm -hmm. And um, the day that I was in school, my teacher asked me, have you eaten? And I said, no. And then she asked me, "Have you? when was the last time you showered or bathed? And I couldn't remember because I was so dirty when I went to school. And that was basically it. And then when she came back to pick me up, I was sitting on the stairs of this, because the school is, the way the schools work in Russia, it's just a tall building. So you have stairs, you have levels. And um, there was a, there was stairs coming up to the main doors and I was sitting on the stairs and she came to pick me up and she told me that I couldn't go with her. And I couldn't remember, like, I couldn't understand why. Sorry.
0: Oh. Huh. Okay. Um, There's room for all of that here.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why. And she, all she told me was, you'll be okay. You'll be taken care of, obviously, in Russian and then my journey started to be an orphan um and then her drinking got really bad and she obviously was going down the spiral she was not taking care of herself because obviously she didn't really have in her in her mind she didn't have a purpose to live
2: anymore you know
1: and alcoholism runs in in my blood basically and um Yeah. So she, she gave me up at eight and then that's where my orphanage day started. And then until basically 10, I was there for eight, nine, 10, yeah, 10 year or three years. And then at the age of 11, God granted me one more blessing in life. And that was, my parents American parents Rita and John so um, it was pretty fast the way it happened but they definitely had to revoke my mom's rights and that was really difficult Mm -hmm. because you know she it took it was a long process because she didn't want to give her rights up so at age at the age of eleven, I came to United States.
0: So, how did they find you? <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So my so my sister. So there's three of us uh, okay. that were adopted from Russia. Um, Matthew, who is my younger brother, and then Alicia, who is my older sister, and um. There's seven of us us in my family, seven kids. And um, my parents originally wanted to adopt um, from Asia. So they went to, or they were planning on going to Asia, but there was some kind of a, a ban going on at the time and they weren't able to travel to Asia for some, I don't know what the logistics of that is, but for some reason they weren't able to travel to Asia at that time. And Um, the next best thing or closest to that was Russia. Mm -hmm. So um, they decided to travel to Russia and get my brother, my younger brother, Matthew. Um, They picked him up. They adopted him. They brought him back home. And the rule was then um, you could not separate siblings. So if there's siblings, you can either adopt them all at once Uh or you find who is not attached to the hip but because um the system is so effed up in russia and it's all about money and government and mafia and all of that um they just don't follow laws and they just kind of do whatever is comes their way
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but, so um my parents come to find out that my brother had two other siblings oh wow so well i mean now they have to go back and adopt the siblings like Mm. and my parents i mean they they they're good people like they you know they knew that that wasn't the right thing to do to split them up and yes while they could have and they could have said forget it we're not this is not our fault they didn't do that they were humble enough that Mm they went back and then they found out that my brother's brother was adopted into a German family.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So my brother, yeah. So my brother's brother was adopted into German family, which we came to learn later in life where, where they were. And they got kind of reconnected online, but then there was Alessia who was their sister
0: Oh, okay. So they
1: adopted Alicia, and because they originally came for two extra kids, they decided that they weren't, they weren't willing to go home without another kid. Wow. And basically, that's kind of where I came into play. Um, my director, Tanya, she recommended me to my parents. And she oh, wow. basically said, you know, she's a single child. She doesn't have ties. The only thing that is that might pop up that's problematic is the fact that her mother has rights to her. So if you're willing to grow through all that, she would be a good candidate. And so, yeah, I met them the day that they picked up Alacia, not knowing that that was what they were planning to do. Um, And then, and then my, so it's funny because so I had another friend who lived. So my sister's one of her best friends was in the orphanage with us as well, mm-hmm. Oksana. And um, she ended up coming. She ended up getting adopted by a family with where, where my parents lived at the time uh-huh. in Silver Creek. And so like they came up and picked her up, and she was my friend as well because we danced together. Okay, and. So I was, like, holy, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to be all by myself now. Like, one of my, like, Lacey is gone, and we did. And mind you, this was, like, an all-dance, like, family, so I was, like, I was so involved in that. We were all, like, all in one, and then all of a sudden, like, two people from my dance group just got taken out. And I'm, like, at 10 years old, I'm, like, what is going on? Why is everyone getting adopted? Yeah. And then I'm obviously like jealous, right? Right. Mind you, my adoption was already getting planned, which I had no idea about.
0: about?
1: Wow. So when Oksana was being adopted and she left, she wasn't allowed. She already knew that I was coming, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't allowed to tell me because legally the paperwork wasn't processed yet so she didn't want like they didn't want to like give me false hope Mm. so she was like living with knowing that that was in the process and then I was over here on the sidelines like what's going on (laughs) like I want to go with you Um,
0: but she like deep down wanted to tell you you're going like you're leaving too
1: To talk all the time about. It. I'm like, how could you? Like, how did you not tell me? She's like, trust me. Like, there's moments that I wanted to tell you, yeah. but I just couldn't. Like, I I didn't want to tell you. And then, what if you didn't come? Right. Like, and you know what? Maybe that's a good thing because we didn't jinx it. You right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in lo- like I don't know if you you're very. I don't. I am. I don't like jinxing stuff. Like I'm not. I'm very into like spiritual numbers.
0: Yes, when I me speak, too.
1: Oh. <laughs> Me too. Yeah,
0: me too. <laughs> you know, so like, You're like, I'm going to leave it up to the universe. Yes. Yeah,
1: like, yes.
0: You're
1: just out there, you know? <laughs> and then uh, it was like, it was the year right before, because I got up, so I came to the United States in March okay. of 20, it was right after 9 um, 11. So oh, okay. 9 11 was in t- 2001 hmm yeah I, w- I came in 2002 okay so like and then I was like going through that I'm like holy shit like there's like 9-11 happening yeah in New York. Like, <laughs> we're have, like a nuclear bomb hitting like yeah. the world's gonna end like and I'm over here and I'm supposed to come to United States that here <laughs> like I was like oh what what am I doing like no <laughs> I, I was freaking out I mean it was like such a roller coaster I'm gonna like leave all my family or people that I call family. No, no English at oh, wow. all. Mm-hmm. Traveling on an airplane for the first time. I'm like this little timid, little bowl cut hair like girl, super skinny. I I weighed like 72 pounds. Yeah, you know, and I and I was about to come to a country that's getting bombed.
0: You were probably traumatized from going from one from one country to another.
1: I was so I was so traumatized. I was like, I mean, it was a lot. I was, it was a lot. I mean, yeah. I can't like. I if I had one word to describe my feeling, I was overwhelmed. Yeah, to say the least, for sure. You know, um, yeah, so I can you know, 11 years old, came here to United States. My welcome party was, um, a little bit over the top. I had a cake, I had a face on my, uh, my face on the cake, which was, I've never seen that one before and i had a bright yellow room my own room but it was bright yellow literally was this the house
0: color. was this the house in from high school okay
1: yeah but when i was when i was in high school my room was upstairs right but the yellow room was downstairs okay so i don't know if you remember my house but it was like the room right i remember
0: i only remember your oh by the laundry
1: room my younger brother oh yes staying.
0: okay yes i remember yeah
1: so, i remember now but that room was literally like i'm not kidding you like the sun yellow like the color <laughs> like actually this color was
0: The other not too long ago,
1: and then I had like they bought me like an instinct, a Britney Spears, (laughs) and a Backstreet Boys CD, and I had my cake with my face on it. (laughs) Yeah, and then my dad has this little translator. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but they're like, it kind of looks like a, it has like a little flip. Okay. And then you like turn it on and then you like type words and then you can press translate and it translates to another language.
0: Okay. Never seen one, but <laughs> oh,
1: that's like with me for wow. a long time. Okay. Because obviously like I didn't know English and they didn't know Russian. So mm-hmm. they would literally like <laughs> flip the little flip, type the word you know, the all wow. the word the, the letters, and then it would click translate and it would translate in Russian. And so my dad, my dad was like, do you like your room? (laughs) I painted it all myself. And then I looked at him and I just shook my head. I was like, oh my God, I hate this color. (laughs) 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 Like we laugh about it all the time. Like, it's it's funny now because I'm like, I really hated yellow, but I would have never told you that back then. Like, no way at all.
0: You know what's crazy yeah. is I would have never thought like knowing you and like how good your English is, I would have never had thought. That yeah, you because
1: like I mean they they really like, you know, they they really put the effort into like having a private tutor and mm-hmm. I was on um um what what's it called? Um is it LED? No, not LED. oh my gosh, why can't I think of it? E D class? No. I forgot the abbreviation, but it's basically like people that have like a second language that have to go to these classes like once or twice a week. Like Mm -hmm. I was going like three times a week, I think. Mm -hmm. And like I was on like a special structure with with my school and like my teachers gave me special grades. I was very special at that time. Like, and then uh, I remember um, because I didn't know English and obviously like, we, remember when we had it, like, in junior high, we had to do a state project? Yes. Okay. So, everyone had different states. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. But they couldn't have California. <laughs> well, guess who had California? You. Me. <laughs> so, imagine when kids, like, hold on, why does she have to have California and I can't? yeah I, still have my, I, I literally still have that California book. I did it all myself I was very proud but yeah so I had to do the California I had to learn about my state which is kind of cool obviously duh but yeah and then like that it was that time like where my first report card came out and my teacher I was at, I went to Silver Oak um elementary which is in San Jose um my teacher, Mr. Lairway, which my, by far one of my favorite teachers to this day, like I will forever be grateful to him with any, I mean, he's retired now, but like he, he was so patient and just so awesome with me. I mean, it was, I'm so blessed that I had him as my first like actual teacher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I learned a lot that year. I really did. Um, (laughs) he came up and it was a, it was a Friday. It was a report card day. And he, he gave me a report card and mind you, like that year I had special report cards. Uh So, you know, obviously like it was tailored to my, my level of education in terms of English. Okay. So, um, when I opened my report card, all I saw was, Oh no! It was literally all F's. And he told me he's like, okay, this is the time that you're gonna transition into the real like education. Yeah. sheltered school with a lot of teachers caring for you, a lot of, you know, people watching out for you, um, and then transferring into a public environment where I was a minority Mm -hmm. with my last name at the time, well, now too, um, it was very tough. I was bullied a lot. I got in fights a lot. Um, got slammed around. Got jumped a couple times. Um, it was more trauma, definitely.
0: Did you um, go to. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, No, it's okay. Go ahead. Um, did you go to the junior high of our school for junior no. high? Oh, it was a different junior high. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I'm not going to name that school for privacy reasons but um I yeah I wouldn't it was not a good experience for me and my parents ended up taking me out um to go to Valley Christian um and I I didn't want to go because I didn't want to switch schools and I didn't want to seem like I was giving up Mm -hmm. but it was definitely a right decision because I feel like if I stayed at that school something bad would have happened for sure because I was I ran away from home oh wow um, uh, I was very angry with my parents I didn't want to go to school I um I was doing things that were just not healthy Mm mm-hmm. you know? um for me and I'm very, 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 very thankful that they took me out. And, uh...
0: Was it re-triggering a lot of, like, your memories from when you were in Russia?
1: Yeah, you can say that. I think that a lot of that <laughs> had to do with it because I was, um... I had to fend for myself.
0: Oh, okay. hmm
1: so, um, so, that brought up some
0: triggers for you.
1: Correct. Um and talking about triggers i mean i know that that's like you know there there's there's a lot of those around us all of our life when we're going through trauma and grief and loss and and all all this good stuff but it's like yeah it's it's the little things too you mm-hmm. know it's not just waking up in the morning and seeing a picture it's like going to school and getting in a fight with a person that you shouldn't be hanging in a fight with right You know, and it's, like, kids shouldn't have to go through that. Right. And mind you, like, the school that I went to, like, it wasn't that good of a school. So, obviously, they were, like, they were living for themselves, too.
2: Mm, Okay. It was,
1: like, the way I would describe it, it was, like, a freaking zoo. Mm. And everyone was just trying to survive.
2: Interesting.
1: Um. So, when they took me out from there to go to Valley, obviously, like I didn't want to go and I was very upset about it. But in the end, it was the right decision. It was definitely a right decision. So, I'm very glad that I got to experience and learn compassion and love and care all over again. Mm-hmm. And, um, And it was easier for me to get into high school because I spent, you know, I I transferred in junior, I transferred in eighth grade, so it was easier for me to get into high school. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we deal on the daily basis that, you know, are triggering into our past for sure.
0: I did have one question that I thought of, um, did, so I know you mentioned how your mom, you know, she did what she had to do to get by. Did that ever Mm -hmm. affect, did that ever affect you, um, in a way of having, um, relationships?
1: Yeah, it did. And I think it still does. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely, I would say definitely when it comes to men, I have a tendency, um, of overlooking the negative, mm. as and many
0: of us do. Probably
1: because, like, I didn't have that male figure in my life mm-hmm. early on in my age, and when I saw what I saw, that was completely normal. Um, and although, like, I was I was always in a relationship through my high school years. And through my young adult life, um, I feel like that reason probably why I was always in a relationship because I needed that confirmation every day of the male bond.
0: I see. That makes sense.
1: You know, um, and actually not until now or in my, you know, in my, or 29 since, since I've been 29 that I haven't. I haven't been in a relationship, so this is the longest time that I was, I've was i actually been alone, and mm-hmm. that I haven't had to rely on somebody else to fulfill me mm-hmm. emotionally, um, and I would say, like, I think this past year and a half to two years, like, that I've had the most growth in my life, because mm-hmm. um, I've had to learn all over again of who I am, mm-hmm. what I am about, right. um, what kind of a mother I am, what mm-hmm. kind of a friend I am, what kind of a daughter, um, you know, coming back to my passions and really realizing what my worth was. Right. Um, being independent and being financially stable. Um, all of that, like, that was, you know that was really an eye opener in the past two years for me, for sure, Mm -hmm. because I had to really step back and evaluate what was important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I think to answer your question, I think that had a lot to do with my, with my men life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and like you were saying, I think a lot of us are going through this whole growth journey or many of us are going through this growth, growth journey of really finding our way back to ourselves of what were our passions were? Who were we before we suppressed all this? And and then and then also when you're processing it, processing all the stuff that's like internally built up inside and then you finally let it out then you're starting to realize why your behaviors or where they're stemming from and how to how to kind of navigate through them and
1: well I think a lot of like you know I mean I know you've talked about you know COVID and having like that be part of our lives now and that this in the last two years and um I think that was a huge like busting our balls too like I I mean especially for the people that have loss have mental issues Mm -hmm. have um, anxiety even I mean I know you know I have some family members who have really difficult anxiety and for matter of fact I used to have really bad anxiety although like I've learned to really cope with it Mm -hmm. and really learned how to maneuver like when my anxiety comes on and like what to do and how to handle it and Um, I've never, I was never on medication for anxiety at all. And, um, because I don't, not that I don't believe in medication. I just like, I choose not to use it. Uh, and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that like my mom was an alcoholic. My grandma was an alcoholic. My uncle was a drug abuser, like, in my early years, so, like, I don't, like, I don't feel like drugs or medication is a form of medicine for people, um, but that's my personal opinion, and I, I mean, I, I just, I choose not to do that, but I do take Advil sometimes, <laughs> you know, when the headaches get bad, I Advil.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I definitely empathize with that um, when I went through my own mental health crisis back in high school. Um, they put me on Zoloft and actually I never really talked about this, but I actually became very addicted to it to the point where it wasn't so, it wasn't so much of like my, my chemicals and my brain needed it. It was like my body needed it. And then I became, and then I got, I got really skinny off of it. Like I was super, I mean, you, you remember I was pretty slim in high school and, um, It kind of like in a psychological sense, I was kind of like, oh, this is, you know, great. Because I feel like I feel good in my body. But at the same time, I was like, this is so unhealthy. And I knew it. I knew it. And I remember I got off of it for a while. And then I remember wanting to go back on it, like, for the sake of, well, yes, because I felt like I needed it again. But also deep down internally, I knew, like, oh, I'd be, like, super skinny and that my body, like, would, like, that sounds so stupid, but, like, that's just, like, I became very addicted to it. It was just, like, it was just toxic. And so I I knew I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to rely on it anymore because I just knew I would. And then on top of that, it got to a point, too, where if I was on it, I definitely thought about ODing for sure when I was going through my suicidal Ideations.
1: Yeah. Well, because it was easy. It was right there. Like, I mean, and when you're in that state of mind, like, you don't really think about. Yeah.
0: You're not, I was not self aware of anything. I mean, anything. And I was comparing myself to like so many people too. and, And I was like, yeah, I need this drug, whatever, whatever. And, but internally, I was like, I don't need this. Like, this is turning, this is making me into a person I'm actually not. And I don't like, who I'm becoming, also. So, um,
1: I mean, it's so it, yeah. I mean, in your, you were in high school too, so it's like you were seeing like so many women or so many girls like body changing and like we were. I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of like body shaming when we were in high school. Yes, like a lot, I, I a just lot. Don't remember that? Like, it was just, it was horrible. I mean. I don't know why girls are so catty when we're at that stage of life.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: it's just, and that's not healthy for us either. Like that's traumatic and it's like Self, high school yeah. is traumatic on itself. Like
0: well, And you know, a lot of girls suffer from, you know, eating disorders and all that stuff, too. So, I mean, mean, there'd be times where people would come up to me and be like, are you anorexic? And I never really thought of it in that way because I was just like, whatever, I'm taking my fucking pills, like my happy pills. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, whatever. But And then I, I remember one day, it got to a point where I was so skinny that I think I, it, something, like, just struck a nerve, like, I need to get off this because, like, with also having my heart condition. Um, that was not a healthy situation for me to be. I mean, it also came to a point where I wasn't, I couldn't even eat full meals and I was okay with that. Um, and so it just was not healthy
1: at all. Well, and like, I also like, I have a really, I have somebody who's super close to me that, you know, should be on medication for depression and anxiety and all of that. Um, you know, but they choose not to be, and I can see, but they're also not choosing to do any anything else about it, so. Oh, okay. Um, and it's really hard, because I, I do I do think that there should be a form of medication for this person, but obviously, like, if they don't want it, you can't give it right, to
0: them. Right, right.
1: Right, and they have to want the help. Right. They have to accept the help for anyone to give it to them, but in terms of like medication itself for myself, like I just yeah I I barely even like if I have a headache I, I don't even take it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But coming back to the topic of COVID, were you talking about COVID? Yeah, we're How talking about
0: COVID. <laughs> we're talking about medication no, I... and then and then COVID.
1: Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I was saying like even like with anxiety and, you know, how it spiked up with COVID and being, like, hooped up for so long and, like, people, you know, people that have mental health, like, had to be alone for so long Mm -hmm. by themselves in in a house and not being able to, you know, interact with loved ones or family or friends or, you know, whoever. I mean, it's just, like, it's been, it's just been a very difficult I I've I've been very fortunate but I know that it's been a very difficult year for a lot of people um and you know mental health in itself like this past two years has been just like overlooked yes for sure and it's not something that should ever get overlooked it's not something that we should get used to
0: mm-hmm. 100%. Um,
1: you know, it's like, I've really learned to in the past two years, like I really learned to check in with my close circle. You know, I've learned to reach out whether it's be weekly, monthly or um, to the people around me. And I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job. This year, um, and staying in touch with people that I know are struggling. So, I commend everyone <laughs> to stay in touch with your loved ones. Yes, yes. Checking in all the time. Text message will not ruin your life. <laughs> will not stop whatever you're doing. Yeah. It will take a second to tell somebody, "Hey, how
0: are you doing?" I'm
1: thinking of you. Yes. And I love you. I hope you have a great day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
1: I think I I needed a lot of those.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it goes a long, it goes a long way. Just even the most simplest text message can really make a huge difference. Um, I mean, being, me being completely isolated for the past two, I guess, year and a half now, almost two years, Um, it was pretty uh, traumatizing for me Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I mentioned it on one of my episodes that I wasn't I I wasn't like I didn't I wasn't suicidal but I mean it definitely re-triggered a lot of my uh, my what am I trying to say my past of me dealing with my, um, mental health and then just being, or just feeling like I was trapped in my house, um, and not talking to anyone was really, um, traumatizing also. Um, um, that. Well, I
1: just, like, we don't also, like, as, as a society, like, we don't give trauma and loss and grief and enough time to heal our bodies or our systems because grieving and grieving a loss or grieving a whatever that may be whether it's a death or separation or you know there's totally different parts of your life that you lose whether it be divorce or whether it's burying somebody or if it's a loss of a really close friendship you know there's so so many different forms of loss that we just like brush off and just brush under the rug and like okay well well right right but like we just don't we don't think it's serious Mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of people who just don't think it's serious at all and they're like okay whatever yeah and I've, I've had a lot of, like, I've had a lot of relationships that just, like, ended. And I'm just, like, okay, well, those right. relationships, like, meant something. Right, like, yeah. It wasn't, like, it was, like, many years of friendship mm-hmm. or relationship or whatever. And it's, like, obviously, like, I'm going to grieve that. And just because... I choose to be in contact with them doesn't mean that like you have to chew my head off like <laughs> yeah you know I
0: don't
1: know
0: I feel it Con- entirely um but moving back to your story of your adoption so mm-hmm. with your mom did you feel you obviously you probably you felt a sense of. Ab- abandonment. I'm I'm yep. presuming, mm-hmm. um, and and probably anger. Yeah. So how did you cope with that? And did that carry on? I guess.
1: You know what? Yeah, it did. Um, it definitely carried on um, through my relationship with my mom now. Um, mm-hmm. With my mom now, I mean, meaning as in like my mom, Rita. Mm-hmm. Um, not right now. Right now, present time. Right. Okay. um yeah her and I's relationship through my elementary elementary junior high to high school was not good at all I mean her and I butted heads so many times um we were each other's throats all the time we were not we would not get along and I think it was probably a lot to do with the fact that I was I had my issues with my birth mom that I never dealt with Mm -hmm. Uh, which now that I think about it I didn't even go to that's a really good question now that I think about it I'm going to ask my parents why didn't they ever send me to counseling Mm -hmm. because I never went to counseling Mm -hmm. like I I don't know if they just thought maybe I didn't need it or Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know but yeah, my relationship with my mom was not good at all until I and until I moved out in my early twenties. Yeah, it was not fun at all. And then we kind of like because we weren't living together, like we really had to rebuild our relationship from scratch. Mm-hmm. And there was there was days where I would say really mean things to her and really hurt her feelings and. I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. I was not a pleasant person to be around when I was upset with her. I was not a pleasant person around to be around period when I was angry Mm -hmm. and I would lash out big time. Yeah. And I think that's another thing too. Like when you see the, the actions Periodically, of how a child or how a human is behaving, like we don't take enough time to stop and be like, Hey, what's going on with them
0: internally? Yeah,
1: internally, because there's something obviously like going on, On, yes, for them to act the way that they act, right? And for the things that they're doing, Doing, yep. So, how about we sit down and talk about it?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. There's none of that, whether it's family or friends or. We're just not taught to do that. Right. And it's not normal to right. do that. And it should be because right. as human, as humans, we should care about each other. Mm-hmm. We should love each other. And we should want to do better.
0: Yeah. So through your story, your adoption story, I guess, what is it that you want to people to know and take away from this, especially maybe if there's someone out there who
1: is. Well, for one, like I want people to realize for people that are not adopted for kids, for young kids, for, um, you know, young adults or older, like you and I, um, I want them to really sit back and appreciate the life that they have Mm -hmm. and appreciate the childhood that they had because they were very privileged. Mm -hmm. At least a lot of them were. Mm -hmm. They were very privileged to go to good schools, very privileged to Mm -hmm. have parents, whether they're together or divorced, they're still having their both parents. There's, They were given a good life, you know? And they should need to appreciate that. They really need, they need to go back to their parents and tell them, thank you. Yeah. It's interesting. Because that's really important.
0: It's interesting. sorry. Go go ahead. The second
1: (laughs) thing um, that I want to point out for people like myself, um, you know, for orphans, for foster parents, um, or for foster kids, sorry that they don't need to be embarrassed about where they came from, you know? Where they grew up and how they grew up, that made them stronger people in In life. life. And just because they went through this struggle young in life doesn't mean that they're any less of a person than the next. Yeah. And you're proud of that because you rose up And you're waking up every day after all the shit
0: that you went through. Yep. Well, I'm really glad that you shared your story with me, Julia. That was... It was a lot that I didn't know. Um, And it was very eye-opening for me. Um, Yeah. I'm... I'm just... I'm a little speechless, <laughs> um, but more so cause I just didn't know to the extent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you know, I'm really glad we're having this conversation and, you know, I'm really hoping that whoever's listening can take, like you were saying, really appreciate these things. And I can kind of, I can empathize on that as well. Cause even though, you know, my parents, I guess they were somewhat prepared in case something like this would happen, but you know, there's been times where I would sometimes see people take a, take for granted the things that they've had, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't the greatest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in my perspective, I was just like, well, at least you have your parents. You know, at exactly. least at least you have them there and they're there to take care of you. And even if you don't have the best relationship with them, at least they're there. Um, I mean, I know there's some relationships that just for some people they can't fix and that's unfortunate when it comes to having Correct. strained um, relationships with their parent. But if the opportunity is there for them to fix it or to work on it, like, I think they should be grateful for that Correct. because you yeah. don't know when it's, it, it's going to be your last day with your parent. So, um, but I mean, in everything that you've gone through, I definitely can empathize on every level um so i'm really glad we're talking about this um i guess to move on to another topic i don't know did you want to save this for later or did you want to start it now so we can let the audience know what's coming well um yeah
1: i mean we do have another whole topic of um grief um, that we haven't even touched on today, but perhaps that's for, um, another episode (laughs) for them to listen to. Um, but I am looking forward to sharing another huge part of my life that completely turned my world upside down. So that's coming next.
0: Aloha. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to watch this full episode, you can find us on YouTube at Keeping Up With Kara and Koa podcast. Don't forget to press play on part two with Julia Hitler.